Open your Bible to Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to continue our series, um, The Foundation of Our Faith. We're studying Bible doctrine. We're on the doctrine of the Bible right now, and uh, we were going to try and finish up this week, but I think we're going to carry it over one more week. Um, we've already looked at several things. One, we talked about what truth was, and we saw that Jesus explained to us that truth was His Word, John seventeen seventeen. Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. So in order for us to have any idea of what is right or wrong, there has to be a standard of truth. And God tells us the Bible is that standard of truth, especially for us as believers. Then we talked about um, the fact that the Bible has four aspects that we wanted to learn about. First of all, we learned about the authority of Scripture. And that's where we talked about revelation, special revelation. We talked about general revelation. Then we learned not only about the authority of Scripture, which is why we study it, but then we talked about the clarity of Scripture. Um, and that's where we looked at inspiration, illumination, application, and how that is all important for us to understand the Bible. Now today we're going to talk about the necessity of the Bible. Is the Bible necessary in my life? And we'll, we'll look at a couple of questions in just a second to help kick off our study today. And then next week, we're going to take, I was going to try and squeeze this in, but I think it deserves um, to have its own class session to discuss. We're going to talk about the sufficiency of the Bible. Is the Bible all I need, or do I need something else? Uh, as a matter of fact, one of the characteristics of a cult is that they use as authority an extra-biblical source of truth. In other words, they have the Bible and something else. Do we need that? Or is the Bible alone sufficient? And I think most of us would agree the Bible alone is sufficient. But why? How do we know that? Well, that's what we'll talk about next week, okay? So today, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 1. And we're going to talk about the necessity of the Bible. Matthew 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, Tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Interesting. Is the Bible necessary? Jesus, as a matter of fact, in this passage, quotes Scripture. In answering the devil. So he's using it. We're going to talk more about that in just a second. But before we do, I want us to look at a couple of things, a couple of questions. Another passage, Job 23 and verse 12. In this, Job said he considered the need for the Word of God more necessary than his own physical food. And that's what Jesus was saying in Matthew chapter 4. The Bible is more necessary to my physical existence than the, own, than, than the nourishment of my own physical body. In other words, I would be better off to have the Bible and no food than to be without the Bible. Now, if you stop and think about that, 
Do most of us as Christians treat the Bible with that level of importance? Think about that. And I think if we're honest, we probably all have to admit, at least at times in our life, we probably don't. Okay? How many of you would like to go home today and find nothing in your kitchen or under your bed or on your bedside table or wherever you keep food that you eat? Um, how would you like to get home today and find that there is no food or liquid anywhere in your house and no way to get it. Now you kind of have an idea of what believers in communist lands where the Bible is outlawed feel like spiritually. They don't have it. Part of the part of what adds to the apathy that we have sometimes toward the Bible is that we have it readily available to us all the time. I mean, most of us have more than one Bible in our house. We can't find half of them, but we got them. They're there somewhere. So, the point being, Jesus was was actually going to a major extreme here to teach the necessity of the Bible in our life. All right, this is our doctrinal statement. Um, We've read this every week. This is the doctrinal statement, by the way, that we hold to here at our church. The Bible is God's Word to us. It was written by human authors under the supernatural guidance of the Holy Spirit. It is the supreme source of truth for Christian beliefs and living. Because it is inspired by God, it is the truth without any mixture of error. So here are the questions we want to examine today. Question number one, is the Bible necessary in order for me to know God, to have my sins forgiven, and to know God's will for my individual life? Is the Bible necessary for me to know that? Or can we know these things without the Bible? If I can know these things without the Bible, then why do I need to spend time with this book? Why do I even need this book? Why don't I just throw it away and go get it some other way? Okay? So these are the questions we want to look at. We're going to look at three things. The Bible is necessary, first of all, for salvation. Number two, it's necessary for sanctification. And number three, it's necessary for service. So let's look at these real quick. As we begin with the necessity of the Bible for salvation, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 3 real quick. And I want to begin by showing you that even Satan understands the necessity of the Bible. The importance of the words of God to man in a human's life. In Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, we have the fall of man. This is where original sin came into the world. You remember God created Adam and Eve. They put them in a garden. Everything was perfect. Until Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. Well, how did this major spiritual debacle take place? Why is it that we battle with sin and fleshly desires and doing right and doing wrong? Why do I have to mess with all this right now? Why is it that Paul said that in this body, the things he wants to do, he has trouble doing? Because of this sin that's in him. How did this all happen? Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Let me show you how it all started. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, first utterance of Satan to Eve, first question he asked, did God really say? 
did God really say? The Word of God that had been spoken to Adam and Eve. You shall eat of any tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat thereof, for in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. The Word of God. What did Satan do? He knew, I can't get them if I cannot get them away from the necessity of doing what God said. I've got to get the Word of God out of their heart, out of their mind, and out of their life. Then I can get to them. Remember Matthew chapter 4, what we just read? When Jesus was tempted by Satan, three times he was tempted in three different aspects. How did he fight off those temptations? Did he say, well, now, and by the way, he could have because he was God. But for our benefit, he didn't say, well, let me tell you what I think. No, three times he said, it is written. Three times. He used the Word of God to fight off the temptation of Satan. He used it because he knew it. He knew what it said. He knew what it meant. He knew it was available and he knew how to apply it in his life to win that battle over temptation. Now, when Satan came to them, he said, I want you to think now about whether or not what God said he really meant. Let's keep reading. I want you to see what happened. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the servant, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God said, you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it. He didn't say that. He just said, don't eat it. She's already starting to get confused. <coughs> and you must not touch it or you will die. Verse 4, look what Satan says. You will not surely die, the servant said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. By the way, that was a half-truth. You would be like God in the sense... You would know good and you would know bad. What he didn't tell him was, knowing good and bad ain't a good thing. That's why God told you not to do it. He doesn't want you to know good and bad. Because if you know bad, then you'll be tempted to do it because you'll know what it is. Now notice what Eve does in verse number 6. When the woman... Now, here's where... She, they, they started by listening to what God said. Up until now, they hadn't probably gone near that tree. They certainly had not eaten the fruit of it. They'd been listening to what God said. They believed it. They've been doing it. Notice what happens when Satan gets her away from what God said. He caused her to doubt it. He caused her to get confused about it. Then he caused her to realize that, well, God doesn't really want to help me. He's just trying to be the big, mean God. Notice what she does. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, it's pleasing to the eye, and it's desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Where did she go? She went from what God said to what she saw, felt, and thought. And that's what she used to make her decision. Do you know how we make bonehead decisions in our life today? Do you know we, why we, at times, some of us more than others, 
make such stupid decisions? Because we make our decisions based upon what we see, what we think, and what we feel. Not based upon the principles of what God said. Look at most marketing tools. What do they appeal to? The eye, the desires of our life, and our feelings. And by the way, they're really good at it. Satan knew the Word of God and its necessity to protect the life of Adam and Eve. So before he could get to them, he had to dilute the necessity of what God had said in their life. And my friend, when Satan begins to do that in your life and in mine, and I begin to think the Bible and what it says is not that important, I am headed down a road of some major problems. And the problem is, I can get a long way down that road before I ever realize I've had a sin cancer eaten inside of me for years growing that I didn't realize, and now all of a sudden I realize it because it's exploded in my life. The problem is it's metastasized to so many areas of my life, I don't know if I'll ever get it fixed. And that's the necessity of the Bible. So, what does God say about the necessity of the Bible and salvation? In order for me to be saved, there are three things I have to have, and I can only get it from the Bible. Okay, number one. I have to have the Bible to know who Jesus is. I've never seen him. I wasn't alive when he was here. Let me give you some verses. Um, in John chapter 5, turn there with me, please, um, real quick. And I'm going to give you these verses so you can write them down. John chapter 5, verse 24. John 5, 24. John 5, 39 to 40. John 5, 39 to 40. All in John chapter 5. And then also in chapter 5, verses 45 to 47. John chapter 5, let's look at verse 24. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. If you hear my word and believe him who sent me. The only way I can know who Jesus is and believe that he existed is through the word of God. Now look down with me at verse 39. Same chapter, John 5, 39. He's speaking to the Pharisees. He says, you diligently study the Scriptures. Interesting fact. That statement, you diligently study the Scriptures, is in the imperative, which means it's a command. Literally, Jesus is saying, you guys need to study the Scripture. I'm commanding you. You need to go look at the Scripture. Why? Look at the rest of the verse. Because you think that by them you possess eternal life. You hold them in high esteem because you say it's through them that you find eternal life. But then notice what he says. But these are the same scriptures that testify about me. These same scriptures, the Word of God, that you hold in such high esteem and think that's where eternal life comes from. And by the way, they thought eternal life came because you kept the law. He said these are the same scriptures... You need to go back and study them again that talk about me. Yet, you will not come to me so you can have eternal life. Then in verse 45, down through verse 47. But do not think I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set. If you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. 
Now, he's telling these Pharisees, how are you going to know that I am who I said I am? Through the Bible. Through the Old Testament scriptures that were written. They talk about me. And it's no different for us. We're on the other side of the canon of Scripture, so we've got the whole Bible, including the New Testament, which records the life of Christ. So we actually have more to go on than they had. Nonetheless, the only way we know who Jesus is is from the Bible. Without the Bible, we don't know who He is. We weren't there. We didn't see Him. But the Bible tells us who He is. Number two, we have to have the Bible to understand salvation. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. 2 Timothy 3.15, this is where Paul is writing to Timothy, and he says this, Timothy, from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures, which were able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. The Scriptures made you wise to salvation. It helped you to understand what salvation was. That's why the Bible says in Romans 10.17, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. That's where it comes from. That's how we understand. And number three, we have to have the Scripture in order to have faith for salvation. In Romans chapter 10, verses 11 through 17, this is the passage that says, in verse 13, Romans 10, 13, whoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how can they call on one that they've never heard of or that they have not believed in? How are they going to hear unless somebody tells them? And that's when the Bible says how beautiful are the feet of those who carry the gospel of good news. So here's the deal. Salvation means nothing to me without the Bible. I don't even know what it is. Have you ever asked somebody, have you ever been saved? And they started to describe to you how they were drowning somewhere and somebody pulled them out and I was saved. Or I was dying in a burning car and somebody pulled me out and I was saved. That lets you know they don't understand what this is. When we talk about spiritual salvation, they don't understand what it's talking about. And without the Bible, you and I wouldn't understand it either. So the Bible is necessary, first of all, for salvation. Number two, the Bible is necessary for sanctification. Now, sanctification is just a word that literally means to be made holy or to be made righteous. We believe the Bible teaches what is known as progressive sanctification. What does that mean? That means that when I got saved, I was made righteous from the penalty of my sin. I don't have to die and go to hell and pay for my sin. I got the righteousness of Christ so I can go to heaven. I don't have to pay for my own sin. We also believe that we are, are sanctified or set apart or made righteous from the future of sin. In other words, I'm not going to have to live for the rest of eternity with a sin nature. When I get to heaven, the sin nature will be removed. I won't have to battle sin anymore. But we also believe in present sanctification, which is progressive. That every day of my life, I am being conformed by the Spirit of God through the Word of God more and more to the image of Christ. The way I talk, the way I think, the way I treat people, the way I act, the way I work, the way I love, everything about me should be getting more and more in line with the way Jesus did all those things when he lived here. How do I know what all those things are? How do I know how I can change? I need the Bible. Let me give you a few things here. First of all, 
I need the Bible for spiritual health. It's necessary for spiritual health. Um, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, the Bible says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, for instruction in righteousness, to teach me progressive sanctification, how to be more and more like Jesus. The Bible does that. Number two, in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 6, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says this, Blessed are those who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. In Matthew 4 and verse 4, Jesus said, Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Job said, I esteem God's word more important to me than my own physical food. Let me ask you something. When you get hungry physically, do you eventually eat? Well, sure you do. If you don't, this time next week you will be in the hospital. And in a few more weeks, without food or water, your body will shut down and you will die. And it doesn't take long. You can fast from food, but over time, you've got to have liquid in your body or the body dehydrates and dies. My father died of cancer or a, a stroke-related illness, not cancer, but Dad was bedridden for almost four years. The last 12, 10 to 12 days of his life, I don't remember, it's been a while, the last 10 to 12 days of my life, my dad did not eat or drink a thing. He lasted about 12 days. And then his body just quit. It just quit. Spiritual health is no different. Let me read you a statement taken from uh, Wayne Grudem's book, Christian Beliefs, 20 Basics Every Christian Should Know. Here's what he said. To neglect regular reading of the Bible is detrimental to the health of our souls. Let's stop and think about it. If Jesus compared the need for the Scripture in my life to the need for physical food in the body, but yet Jesus said the need of the Scripture in my life for my spiritual health is actually more important than the need of physical food for my physical health. And I think the reason he said that is because he also said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? I mean, if I'm physically everything and I die and go to hell, what good does it do? Now, stop and think about how you and I treat the Bible in our daily spiritual nourishment. Would you like to eat only once a week? I can guarantee you I can't do that. But we don't think about that. Do you know why we don't think about that? Because Satan knows what it would do to us if we put this book in our life every day on a regular basis. So he does everything he can to keep us from doing that. 
just like he did in Genesis chapter 3. It is a battle to put this book in our lives every day. And don't let anybody tell you any different. It is a battle. Okay? So, first of all, the Bible is necessary for our own spiritual health. Number two, the Bible is necessary in order for us to know how to love God and overcome the world. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, the Bible talks about to love God is to keep His commandments. And those who love God and keep His commandments overcome the world. And this is what helps us overcome the world, even our faith. But then in John 7, or Romans 10, 17, Jesus taught us through the Apostle Paul that faith comes by hearing and hearing through the Word of God. So that's where our faith comes from. It is impossible for you and I to overcome the temptations of the world without putting the Scripture in our life. That's why Paul taught us there is no temptation taking us but what is common to man. But God is faithful, and He will make a way of escape so we can bear it. But the way of escape begins right here. Then number three, the Scripture is necessary for sanctification in order to know how to live in our daily lives. I don't have time to read it, but let me give you this passage of Scripture. Psalm 119, all 176 verses of it. What I want to challenge you to do is sometimes sit down and read all 176 verses. Psalm 119 is a chapter in the Bible, the longest one, by the way, that does nothing but talk about the Bible. The whole chapter talks about the Bible. By the way, if you were to take your Bible and flip it open pretty close to the middle, it would come pretty close to hitting Psalm 119. It's right in the middle of the Bible because that's what it talks about, the Bible. And it talks about the importance of the Bible in our life in order to know how we're supposed to live our life. Notice when you read through Psalm 119, all the times that the psalmist refers to how much he wanted the Bible in his life how much he sought after God's laws, how much he loved God's law, how much he read it, how much he thought about it, how important it was to his life, how he knew what would happen to him if he didn't have it in his life. Read Psalm 119 and notice all of those things. Every time I read Psalm 119, I get convicted that I don't love the Bible enough and I don't read it enough and I don't study it enough. Because if you listen to the writer of Psalm 119, It sounds like all this guy did all day long was read the Bible. It's interesting. In Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 18 through 20, read that sometime. Moses is telling the children of Israel, now after I leave, you're going to eventually have a king. You know what one of the requirements of the king was? He had to handwrite the whole law. Literally, he had to sit down and handwrite the whole law. And those verses tell us why. God's going to make him do that so he'll know it, so he can use it to properly judge the people, and so he'll make sure that the people follow the law of God. But the only way he was going to be able to do all that is if he knew it. So he was constantly being made to read and study and put that law in his life. Okay? So the Bible is necessary for us for sanctification, for us to be more like Christ for our spiritual health, so we can love God and overcome the world and know how to live our daily lives. And finally, the Bible is necessary for service. If I'm going to serve God and be effective at it, I've got to have the Bible. I can't do it without the Bible. 
The Bible does four things for us while we serve God. Let me give you the verses for this, and then we'll be done. Number one, it's the seed that we sow. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 4 through 9. This is where Paul said, I planted a seed, Apollos watered it, but it's God that makes it grow. In Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 11, the Bible says, God speaking to us says, My word that goes forth out of my mouth, it will accomplish what I send it to do. The Word of God is a powerful tool to change the heart and life of an individual. So first of all, it's the seed that we sow when we're serving God. Number two, it's the sword we use when we're fighting against temptation. In Ephesians chapter 6, you know the, the, the passage, it talks about the armor of God. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 16 and 17, it talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Did not Jesus use that sword in Matthew chapter 4 when he was fighting off the devil? And in Ephesians 6, the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We are fighting a battle. And the weapon we use is the Bible. Going into life without knowing the Bible is like going into war without a weapon. It's fatal, and you'll never survive. Then, number three, the Bible is also the source of our instruction. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, the Bible tells us that God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Literally, God gave these people to teach us the Bible so we could do what the body of Christ needed doing. We need the Bible because it's the source of our instruction. Now, it tells us three things. Number one, it tells us what to do. Romans 12, 2 says that when we conform our mind to the Scripture, we can discern the will of God. It tells us what to do. Number two, it tells us where to go. Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Number three, it tells us how to do it. James 1 and verse 5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and abraded not, and it will be given to him. If I want to know how to live life, if God has shown me what to do and where to go, and I want to know how to do it, the Bible will give me wisdom and teach me how to do it. And then finally, the Bible is necessary because it is the secret of our success. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, the Bible says, This book of the law will not depart out of your mouth, but you should meditate therein day and night so you can observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So is the Bible necessary for my life? Only if I want to live the way God wants me to live, if I want to overcome the world, if I want to make wise decisions, and when I come to the end of my life, I want to be able to say, I fought a good fight, I finished my course, I kept the faith. I did what God put me here to do. The Bible is necessary in our lives. Now, as we close, let me tell you this. Anytime that we talk about something like this, and uh, we go through a message or, or any type of hard-hitting, in-your-face, you're a believer, you ought to be doing type of a message, we all have a tendency to run to extremes. Oh no, I got to go home. I got to make sure every day that I read my Bible at least an hour. 
And I got to memorize 14 verses every week. And if I don't do that, I'm probably not doing what Brother Bill said we ought to do. I'm going to be a terrible Christian and Satan is going to get me and he's going to ruin my life. God gave Adam and Eve one simple principle. That one simple principle would have been enough for them on that day. Let me tell you where we need to start. If you, like me, struggle to find time to read the Bible, find a time in your day when you know you can always have two to five minutes. If you struggle understanding, find a resource. I've, I've given to several of our young people. We have a devotional book, our church prints, every quarter. Our daily bread, radio Bible class online. Very simple little devotional book. There's all kinds of them. Find you, and by the way, don't find a devotional book that every daily devotion is four pages long and printed in eight point font. Because what you're going to do is you're going to read the first day, get through half of the first page, and say, that's too much work, I ain't going to do it. It's like working out. When you go to the gym, don't go to the gym and go through a two and a half hour workout the first time. Because you're going to be so sore, every time you think about going to the gym, that's what you're going to think about. And your body is going to say, I will kill you myself if you go do that again. (laughs) Do something simple. It's a habit. Start your habit small. Form the habit. And you will naturally grow into it. One verse a day is better than zero verses a day. One verse a day is seven verses a week. It's 30 to 31 verses a month. It's 365 verses a year. That's a whole lot more than zero. One verse can change your life. What do you think 365 of them could do in a year? So, don't go out of here and go crazy. If you struggle, like I do, find something simple just so you do it a little every day. There should never be a day in our life where we don't know where this book is. Because we use it every day, even if it's just for two minutes. But I know where it is because I use it every day. Father, thank You for Your Word. Help us to understand how important it is. Give us the courage and the strength to put it into our life every day. And then, Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit, begin to use it to change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.